Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being near us in times of adversity, in times of challenge and strife. And Lord, we know you have a plan and we know that we face these challenges because that brings us closer to you. Lord, as we utterly depend on you for everything, all of our provisions here in this life and the life that is to come, Lord, we bow at your feet and we bow at your throne and we ask for your gracious blessings over us, Lord. And we know that when your plan is not our plan, Lord, we just simply turn ourselves to you and just trust. Trust that you have a love for us that surpasses all understanding, Lord. And we rely upon that today. It's in your Son's holy name, the name of Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Let's give a warm welcome to Mr. C. Smith. Well, thank you guys. I'm going to go through kind of seven things that happen to us in life that can catch us by surprise. And I'm going to be in Philippians, if you want to turn to Philippians. The easy way to find that is go to Corinthians and then think of GE Power Company. And uh, that's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians. So it's right in there. And I do know Ron Holton. I knew him before there was an Allison or children. I knew him when he got here from Louisiana about 20 years ago. And a full sentence for him was, oh, no, what am I going to done did now? Uh, so, uh, so we go way back. And, uh, and I've always loved Ron. He hasn't always loved me, but I've always loved him. And uh, he is just a sensational young man. And I'm so proud of what he's done here. And you guys have a great pastor. I know his heart. I know it from the beginning to now, and it hasn't changed. It, he's always been the same. So I want to talk to you about where your confidence is. This is an interesting time in our country, isn't it? I hope you didn't put your confidence in your 401K or your simple IRA or anything else that you had like that, because that stuff's gone. And, and as you look around uh, at people that lose confidence, they get a little strange. I remember there was a movie called City Slickers. You remember that movie? Remember Mitch Robbins, he was uh, talking to his son's fourth grade class on career day, and he was having a crisis in confidence. And I remember he stood there, and here's what he said. He said, kids, enjoy this time in your life, because this is a time where you can still have fun. Soon you'll be a teenager. You think you can do anything, and you will. Then you get your 20s. Your 20s are a total blur. They're here and they're gone. In your 30s, you'll raise a family. You'll make a little money. You'll keep asking yourself, what in the world happened to my 20s? In your 40s, you'll get a little pot belly, a second chin. You'll find out that your favorite girlfriend from high school is a grandmother. In your 50s, you'll have an operation. They'll call it a procedure, but it's an operation. You'll start complaining that the music's too loud, but nobody will listen to you. In your 60s, you'll have major surgery. The music will still be too loud, but it will no longer matter because you can't hear it. In your 70s, you and the wife will move to Fort Lauderdale. You'll spend the day in the mall looking for the ultimate in a soft yogurt experience. You'll mutter to one another, how come the kids don't call? How come the kids don't call? You'll have dinner at 2. Lunch at 10. Breakfast the night before. In your 80s, you'll have a massive stroke. You'll be cared for by a Jamaican woman who you call Mama, but your wife can't stand. Any questions? You ever feel like that? Well, the child of God should never feel that way. You just heard a great testimony about it. When bad things happen, what do you do? 
Well, you learn lessons, and God is in the lesson business, and He's got lessons we're going through. And I want to go through each one of these lessons with you quickly. In uh, Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 6, God's Word says this, And I am sure of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. There and only there lies our confidence. Now, class number one that we get put into, it's an uncomfortable class. God puts you in a place of absolute helplessness. Have you ever been there? I neglected to tell you this, but I'm from Southern California, the land of the fruits and nuts and flakes. Okay, that sort of explains me a little bit. Now, I'm from, the, I'm from that place where, where, uh, where they have a psychic network, okay? <laughs> the psychic network. Did you know they went broke? Not a one of them saw that coming. Uh, and then their spokesman is Dion Warwick, who doesn't know her way to San Jose. So I, I can't figure out why they're like that. But, you know, everybody in California has a little bit of that working. And I must tell you that, that I have the ability to just look into somebody's eye, and I can tell you by, by looking them in the eye what their favorite secret sin is. It's an amazing thing. Okay, I sense some doubt. All right, do I have a volunteer? <laughs> See, everybody that doubted now no longer doubts. They wonder about me, right? So I'll just, uh, I'll just kind of pick somebody just to demonstrate I have this special, special thing about me. I'm going to pick my namesake, Steve Smith, over here. Okay, I found another guy with my name, all right? <laughs> no, really, I need to pick him. You need to know what it is. So, uh, <laughs> really, get away from anybody who volunteers for this. Uh, okay, I got it. It didn't take long. Wasn't a lot there. Uh, his favorite secret sin, I now know. Okay. How many of you like to know what it is? Huh? Okay, I like a, a good, mean crowd. That's what we like. Okay. I'm going to tell you what it is. He just committed it. It's worry. Just for a split second, he thought, I wonder if that guy really can tell. Uh, and here's what God does. God puts us in a place of absolute helplessness for one reason and one reason only, so that we can surrender and so that we can learn to trust in him. There's not any situation in our world that is helpless when we know Christ, when we have him at the very center of our confidence. And there are many times in life when you will be put, if you hadn't been there yet, just hang on, because you will get there when you are in an absolute helpless position, and the only thing you have left to do is trust. I love it when I go to the hospital and people are standing over a bed and they're wringing their hands and, and, and they say something like this, well, all we do now is pray and trust God. And I want to say, that's all we ever had. That's all we ever had. We wouldn't have a hospital. We wouldn't have a doctor. We wouldn't have a discovery if it wasn't for the grace of God. So God puts us sometimes in those helpless situations so that we can learn to trust Him. Another thing that God does with us is He makes us wait for something that we want or desire so that we can learn patience. Now, don't you hate that lesson? Boy, how many of you have prayed this? Uh, God, I want to be patient. I want it right now. See, you live in an instant society. Uh, I know this because you know, I went to college. College was the best 18 years of my life. Uh, my goal was to get out before the children started. I barely made it. But one of the papers I wrote when I was in, when I was in college was about 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven was designed for me, a baby boomer man. 
because we want to get in and get out. We don't, make, we don't care what we pay for it. We don't care how much more it is for, for bread and milk, but we want to get in and get out, get in and get out. That's, that's kind of why it was designed. Well, the other day, it was on a Saturday. Matter of fact, it was a voting Saturday. I'm standing in a 7-Eleven because I always feel like I must stop at a 7-Eleven because they built it for me and get a big gulp. And so I'm standing in line with my big gulp, and I realize I'm standing in line. Now, that's just weird to stand in line. I realize my big gulp is half gone. And then I look around, I realize, you know why I'm standing in line? Because everybody's buying a lottery ticket. If they're not buying a lottery ticket, they're scratching a lottery ticket. You ever have a fit of weird in public? That ever happened to you? Well, it did for me right there. I mean, I looked around, I said, hey, have you people voted? And they all looked up at me, kind of all shamed and bowed their head, you know. And then they all left <laughs> to vote. And I thought, oh, I've sent out the wrong crowd. Uh, but everything in your world is fast. Fastest growing restaurants in America are what? drive throughs Do you know that La Madeleine now is a drive through How weird is that? To get a wild salad and a quiche through the drive through I mean, that's just strange. We want what we want. We are an instant society. And it is a, it is a sign of terminal adolescence that we don't wait on anything. Matter of fact, we have even preachers who say, you know, if you, if you ask God and He doesn't give it to you, you lack faith. Well, the truth is, if you ask God and God makes you wait a day, He gives you the spiritual muscle to wait a week. And if you pray for something for a week, He gives you the spiritual muscle to wait a month. And if you pray for a month, you've got the spiritual muscle to wait a year. If you pray for a year, you've got spiritual muscle to wait a lifetime. There are some things that just aren't going to come to us quick. And those things God is building in us and helping us be confident and in, in surrender to Him. And that's why He does that. There's another lesson God does with us, and that's, that is He pushes us out of our comfort zone so that we can find vision. You know, uh, to be a person of vision takes a, a knowledge of a, of a holy God, to recognize that God has a unique thing for you to do, a unique plan for you and in his, is his ultimate plan. And you know what happens to us? We hunker down, we get into a little safe place, and we cuddle up, and it's like being in a cocoon or being in a womb, and we get all warm and fuzzy. And then every once in a while, God comes along, and he puts his foot on your backside and goes, nope, boom. And he kicks you out in the big, bad world, and you learn vision. Has that ever happened to you? You get the job you want, it's going just like you want it to go. I mean, you think you're doing great, and then boom, you're out in the middle of nowhere again. You get the, you, you, you get the health you want, and, and it's going well, and everything's, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're out there in the middle of nothing. And th- it's at those times when God wants to come in and give you His vision, not your interpretation of how life ought to go, but the vision that God has for you. Well, there's another lesson, another tough one. Is when, is when you feel the full blow of a wrong thing you've done and you learn value. You know, most of the sin we commit, nobody ever knows about. Have you ever noticed that? You know, if you're like me, I mean, you sin and you sort of wait and God doesn't make you a grease spot and you go, okay, all right, and you keep moving, right? Got through that one. No one knows about it. Kind of passed it. Every once in a while, God will say, nope, there's a lesson here. There's a lesson right here. We're going to stop, and uh, this is going to be a little area we're going to learn from, and the full exclosure of what it is that you've done in your sin life comes to full fruition. And there it all is for the world to see. 
I remember I couldn't wait to get my license when I was getting ready to turn 16. Just couldn't wait. I had an old Chevy. It was paid for. I had some insurance. It was paid for for a year. I got my license, and I was going to go, 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 go. And on the first day I had my license, I got a ticket for rolling through a stop sign. I got another ticket for speeding, and then I got another ticket for making a right on a, on a, uh, a no-right turn. Just boom, 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 three tickets, and I was 16 and one day old. Now, back then, you had to bring your parent to court. It wasn't like today. You can go to court today and pay big money, and they'll, they'll say, okay, don't get a ticket for a while, and you're okay. Well, back then, you had to bring your dad. And I remember I went home, told my dad we got to go to court. My dad's name is Corky. My mom's name is Ellie. They have a dog named Fred. These people put the fun in dysfunction. So we, uh, we, we go down there. I have my little skinny tie on. You know, I'm standing in front of that judge, and he is bawling me out. He's, he's just screaming at me, telling me how, how uh, irresponsible I am. I don't belong behind the wheel of a car. He's going on and on and on. And I can't wait for him. And I'm just, yes, sir, yes, sir, oh, no, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, yes, no, no, sir. And I'm, I'm just afraid of what he's going to say next. And then he turns to my dad and he said, Mr. Smith, is there any reason that I shouldn't take your son's license for a year? Whoa. I'm telling you what, my dad, he went into, he went into Johnny Cochran type defense. I mean, it was incredible. He looked up at that judge and he said, no. The judge looked at me and he said, give me your license. And I remember having to tell you, we didn't even have a picture, just a little piece of paper, and I had to set it up on a desk. And he pointed over that desk and he said, if I catch you driving before you get this back, you won't drive till you're 21. Do you understand? And I got to feel the full blow of the consequences of the bad decision I had made while behind the wheel. It was bad. Of course, I believe, you know, when, when, when you get lemons, you make lemonade. Just up the street, you know, the head cheerleader, Dee Dee Baines, lived, and she had a license, no car. I had a car, no license. So every day she'd come pick me up, and then we'd pick up all the girls that were on the cheerleading team. <laughs> After school, they'd want to go to the beach, and I'd say, sure. So I'd go to the beach with all the girls, you know. So I had my license back a year before I told anybody. <laughs> There's another lesson God gives us, and it's, it's a lesson when God allows us to fail or to make mistakes so that we can learn perseverance. You ever failed at anything? You know, failure is not final. It just feels final. I mean, I, I hate to fail. I, I hate to lose. I hate all that. I remember uh, growing up watching Mickey Mantle. And Mickey Mantle was the most prolific home run hitter from both sides of the plate. He had more home runs from the right side, more home runs from the left side than any other ball player to ever play. But you know what Mickey, Mickey Mantle also did? He struck out a lot. I love it. They asked him one time, they said, well, what do you think of when you strike out? He said, well, I think of when I'm going to get back up, what I'm going to do next. And that's exactly right. I think that's why I loved baseball for so long. I love baseball because, you know, you can fail two-thirds of the time and go to the Hall of Fame. Now, that's a good sport. Anything you can fail at two-thirds of the time and they still reward you is a good sport. I like that. I think a, a, a Albert Einstein, you know, he invented the theory of relativity when he was 21. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how Gilligan was going to get off his island at 21. But uh, he, he didn't just walk up to the chalkboard and write all that nonsense down and go, well, there it is. No, he failed millions of times. And then finally he struck on the right reasons for what he was trying to accomplish. 
You know, you know who one of my heroes in, in all of life is? Wile E. Coyote. I love Wile E. Coyote. I mean, he's always got something that he's going to fix. He, you know, he's got something from the Acne Company, you know. It's this big thing up on a cliff. It's got a rock, and all he has to do when he hears the bird go by is pull it, and the rock's going to fall, you know that. And he pulls it, and the rock doesn't fall, and so he jumps up and down on the rock, and it won't go. And then all of a sudden it lets go, but he's on it. So he's falling, the rock's falling, he's falling, the rock's falling. He finally hits the ground, the rock hits on top of him, and he slides out the back. He's flattering a pancake. He hears me meep, and he turns around. It's a truck, not the bird. And he gets run over. And we go to a commercial, and when we come back, he's got an acne rocket strapped to his back. He's ready. You know, here's the thing. Never, ever catches a scrawny bird. If he did, the cartoon was over. That's not the point. The point is, he's not going to give up. Perseverance. God puts us in a place where he allows us to make mistakes so he can see perseverance in our lives. He can see us going after it over and over again. The sixth lesson is that life riddles us with pain and affliction so that we can learn humility. Our bodies get older and ache for a reason. If, uh, if I could still play ball the way that I played ball when I was young, this room wouldn't be big enough for my ego. If I could still run like I, I could once run, if I could throw a ball like I once could throw, it, it wouldn't be able to hold. And you know, that never goes away in your mind. A few years ago, I was asked to play by a bunch of young guys, asked to come out and play softball, and, you know, and, and, and I can still play. I mean, I used to, used to play over at shortstop, now you've got to put me a third, and I, I, can still, I can still catch it and throw it across the infield. Now, you have to carry my arm back to me, and I can only catch it if you hit it right to me, and I get a good hop, and it's a high hop, and I can only catch it if it's in self-defense. Okay, but I'm down there, and we got runners on second, and we got runner on first, and there's nobody out, and this guy hits a line drive right down the line. Okay, now in my mind, and, and only in my mind, I see myself go completely vertical. I see myself catching the line drive. I see myself spinning around, not even bothering to get up, but from one knee, throw it to the second baseman to get this guy that's running the third out on a force. And I see the second baseman step across the bag and throw it to first triple play. In my mind. In reality, I kind of, it was a sort of a, kind of a stumble, a fall. I, you know, the ball was kind of doing a thing out there in the outfield and people were going, the coach from the other team is dragging me off the field, you know, so I'm out of the way. You know, that's humility. That's when you realize it's time to let younger legs play. And you stand on the sidelines and go, yeah, yeah. I remember when I used to be able to do that. Hey, you know you're getting old when a 40-year-old pitcher is throwing a no-hitter and you can't stay awake on the couch. <laughs> Life is riddled with that so that we can be humble. The last lesson, the seventh lesson, is that by our involvement with others, we learn service. Do you realize that God wants you to serve? That, that there is a part of being confident in Him that, that you can serve? As a matter of fact, there was a thing up there and they're asking you to come to work for children and, and most of you don't have a vision for that and so you just sat there and you waited until that was over. But you know, God wants you to serve. He didn't want you to sit in this church. If you belong here, you're expected to serve. You ought, to be in, you ought to be doing something, working somewhere. 
You know, if you're, if you're raised in a large family, you learn how to serve. You learn how to share. You know, my family, I had a, I had a brother and two younger sisters, and, and I learned how to share early. I remember my mom would bring fried chicken out, and my brother and, and my favorite thing, and, and he, would, he would look at that chicken, and he'd go, that one's mine, and that one's mine. And I always had a heart of service. And I'd say, you can have it, you can have it. You got bad things happening to you? Serve. I promise you, it'll take care of it. I promise you. Now, if you're like me, when you go through any kind of lesson plan or you go through any kind of lesson, I was always like this in school. I needed remedial, okay? I needed extra help. And so I'm going to give you some extra help. If you're having trouble with any of these lessons, if, you, if you're struggling learning how to trust God or be patient or have vision or to understand value or perseverance, or humility or service, let me give you let me give you kind of a shortcut learning tool. Here it is. Now, I'm going to give it to you in an acronym. And uh, it's TGIF. Now, if you're hungry, that's a good place to eat. You know, if, if you're an, an, an Aggie, it means toes go in first. <laughs> but for us, it means something else. The T stands for teachable. You know, you need to stay teachable throughout your entire life. And you can learn from anybody. You know, dads are know-it-alls. You got any dads in here? You know, to be a dad, you got to kind of be a know-it-all, you know. How many times do your kids ask, why, 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 why? Dads always have the answer, right? Because. Because. And then finally, because I said so, that's why. Every six-year-old walks away going, man, he doesn't know. <laughs> I remember my dad, you know, he is a know-it-all, you know, and, and, and he showed me how to show you how to mow the grass. And so I get out there, and, and I'm mowing it, and I'm not doing it the way he taught me, and he yelled at me something like this. Okay, you cut your legs off, don't come running to me. <laughs> it's the kind of thing a know-it-all says. But, you know, in, in, in the realm of understanding who God is, stay teachable. Stay teachable in His Word. Stay teachable from people. Stay teachable from your circumstances. You know, you can learn from anybody out there. Matter of fact, I've got a four-year-old grandbaby, Logan Ryder. He's wonderful. And you know what? I started learning lessons from him before he was even born. I mean, deep, important lessons. Lessons like, I can't afford his grandmother. <laughs> you know, the, the trips down to Austin aren't that expensive in gas and oil. It's all the stops for stuff for Logan. But that's okay. You know, stay teachable. One of the things you learn when you serve. Matter of fact, they, they kept talking about it up here. They need help in the children's area. You go serve with a bunch of three-year-olds, you'll learn a lot of interesting stuff. Stay teachable. Second thing, be grateful. Be grateful. You know, gratitude is what is missing from the landscape of America. If you don't believe it, just drive through the neighborhoods and see how dissatisfied people are. They change homes. They change cars. We change it like we change it as often as, as we're changing our clothes. 
And we're, we're buying larger and larger places, so we got bigger and bigger spots to put more and more stuff. And, and it leaves us dissatisfied. There's not anything out there that, that you really have to have that you own. When you begin to, to get to the final things, and you begin to look at final things, and you begin to think about what gratitude is. I remember I was getting on an airplane. I was, I was going from, uh, from Atlanta to, to, to Florida, down to Tampa. Or the Tampa area. By, by the way, I think if you I think if you die in Tampa, you you got to lay over in Atlanta, you know, on your way to heaven. So I, I mean, I was getting off like a real plane and getting on what I call a pretend plane, you know. Uh, Delta has these; they have real jets and then they have these pretend jets. And I remember the pretend jet was late getting out, and they said, and they came and they said, we don't have a driver yet. And I'm going, whoa, whoa wait a minute, can we wait for a pilot? I'm like a driver, you know. And finally, we got our driver, and I. Uh, I'm actually reading that they're on strike, you know, because and, and, they're not getting paid the same thing that people are getting paid to do the big planes. And so we're leaving in a storm, and I think, okay, here's a cowboy going to take one for the team, you know. And, and we get up, and the thing gets up, and it's going, and it's, I mean, and then uh, for no reason except for the lightning, we just plummet. And I think, whoa, we're done. I mean, I'm saying goodbye. You know, it was it was what didn't didn't fascinate me so much. What went through my mind right then? Uh, what went through my mind first of all was my security in Christ, knowing completely that if I'm gone now, I'm with Him. First thought I had. The second thought were of the people in my life that I love. You know, I didn't I didn't in the in the midst of that thinking think think this. Oh no, haven't changed the oil in the Toyota. That didn't occur to me. It, it, it didn't occur to me of all the stuff I had. It occurred to me, it occurred to me that, I, that I had a beautiful wife, that I had wonderful children, that I had a great family. Those kinds of things occurred. And, you know, think about what you're grateful for, and it will build your confidence. The third thing is involvement. If you will stay involved, you will learn lessons. You know, the tendency is when we hurt, when we're going through a hard thing in our life, the, the first thing we want to do is pull away. We want to recluse. And the first thing we ought to do is run toward being involved in something else, something other than us. Always something other than us. And then the F stands for faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful and true to a God who loves you and has you in His design. As a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians, Paul said this, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sakes. For when I am weak, I am strong. You know what Paul understands that we need to hear is this. Our confidence isn't in our strength. God doesn't even care for strong. Matter of fact, he's interested in our surrender. He's interested in us recognizing his love for us. He's interested in us recognizing we have feet of clay and we are weak and without him we are hurting. And with him we can have the confidence that can only come from the grace of God. Confidence to be teachable, to be grateful, to be involved, and to be faithful to a God who is faithful to us. Think about what God's teaching you today. One of the things that I think he wants to teach you is you need to have confidence, not in anything that the world has for you, 
for what God has for you in Jesus Christ. First of all, salvation. Free, it's a gift from Him. And then second, to know that you can live a life that honors Him. And when you do that, you will graduate from many of these classes with a smile on your face. Father, thank You for Your love. Thank You, God, that You don't call us to commit. You call us to surrender. And we do surrender to you. We love you. We thank you for all you can do in our lives. We thank you for the confidence that only comes from your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.